0: Thanks for supporting Word. You've committed to ensuring this podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region has continued now into its fifth season. Word has grown as a direct result of your contributions to KJZZ. If you're already a member, thank you. If not, it's really easy to become one. Just click on the Donate tab at kjzz.org. Please consider making a gift of 10 20 maybe even 30 dollars per month to help ensure this kind of programming reaches you and others whatever is in your budget is the right amount thanks very much and now on with season five
1: word i'm gonna say the word in the beginning was the word what word 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 was the word
2: From The KJZZ Studios in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region. Here's your host, Tom Maxidon.
0: Coming up on this season five opener of Word, it's Nahai Raimo, National Haiku Writing Month, and we're launching KJZZ's third annual Haiku Writing Contest. This year's theme is What's New for You During the Pandemic? And on this episode, we'll talk to the sensei who started it all.
3: I thought February made sense because it's the shortest month for the shortest genre of poetry.
0: Plus, we'll catch up with Natalie Goldberg, who will be discussing her latest book about haiku, in an upcoming chat hosted by Changing Hands Bookstore in Phoenix.
4: In Japan, every syllable has a lot of weight and carries a lot. They don't have of, the, an...
0: But first, D. Ellsworth Hogue is a valley writer with many fiction tomes to his name and also two books of haiku.
1: I really didn't get to doing much thinking about it until probably two years ago. Oh, is that
0: right? What made you wait until just recently to get exposed to it?
1: I was really kind of tied into rhyming poetry quite a bit, and I had gotten used to kind of longer lines and almost couplets, <laughs> I gotten into that phase, and I stayed there for quite a while, and just recently, uh, with, with being in a writing group where there were several other poets, I got my cage shake, shaken a little bit.
0: <laughs> well, that's always helpful, I think, to expand your horizon. Is there something in particular that you like about haiku? maybe more than other forms, or is it just because it's something different and it's interesting to you?
1: What I like about haiku is that it it really sharpens you up for for the other things you're writing. How so? You've got 17 syllables in most cases. Now, haiku has. There's so many types of haiku that some of them even have less. But 17 syllables to put forth whatever you want to put forth which means that you have to be very careful with what you do. So you have to think of what they connote. You have to be very careful with that. You have to be cognizant of how words sound. Some words sound harsh, some words sound mellow, and some words sound, what shall we say, almost melodramatic. You need to be able to think about how this fit into what you're trying to say.
0: Well, I want to go back to a couple of things there. You mentioned connote. And by that, you're talking about connotation. Typically, when we're dealing with poetry, we often discuss denotation. That is the dictionary definition of a word, denotation, and then connotation. What other things does that word suggest? Uh, Words obviously evolve. For instance, the word awful used to mean full of awe and not what we come to know it as today. Uh, something terrible. But I also like what you were describing there with respect to reflecting on things. And because you often are searching and thinking for the right word, you hope to kind of get that across in your own writing. You want people to think about things, especially if there's a natural connection that is Mother Nature into the haiku, which a lot of people will say must be there. Uh, Do you agree with that?
1: No, I've written haikus that are truly sort of social statements. Mm -hmm. One that I remember was the picture of mother in a rocking chair knitting. That is a very homey type thing, but it brings forth, or hopefully brings forth, very strong image of love and warmth and other things along that line. So uh, I have not stuck directly to the classical haiku things in, in every aspect. Well, and
0: there are many people that say you don't have to. One reason being that, for instance, when we think of 575, you know, that's an English syllable count. But in Japanese, that would almost be two haiku. And we'll hear a little bit more about that later in the program. Do you happen to have a couple haiku that you'd like to
1: read? Actually, I, I like these rhyming haikus. And so okay. I've got a couple here.
0: Okay, go for it. And uh, do you title your haiku or no? I do not. Okay. So we'll just call this haiku one. Okay. Crocus bloom
1: and snow. Dark dirt on the floor skirt. Barnyard cattle. Low.
0: It's a very pastoral poem. It reminds me of growing up in the Midwest. Certainly many farms. uh, Snow, which I was used to and do not miss, frankly. (laughs) Okay. And how about a second one for
1: us? Hummingbird darts by Warm breeze rustles, aspen trees. Warm scat draws a fly.
0: I can see all of that happening. Another thing I often find in haiku that people write so visually, and it's just so masterful in such a short space that you can paint such a clear picture. Do you find uh, that, that to be the case as well?
1: Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I was drawn to haiku is, is that it takes this very specific small area of life a sort of a snapshot almost a vignette and it's just that one scene and you're completely focused on what's happening in that moment and therefore you can sort of ignore all the other things
0: d ellsworth hogue i want to thank you so much for coming to word and spending some time talking about haiku you're welcome you can find out more about deals with Hogue on our website at word.kjzz.org. I'm Tom Maxedon, and you're listening to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region. KJZZ Spot 127 Youth Media Center is a qualifying charitable tax organization, which means that your contribution is eligible for a dollar-for-dollar credit on your Arizona taxes. Visit taxcredit.spot127.org today and support our award-winning students.
2: You rely on KJZZ. I like to hear what's going on in the rest of the world to understand what's going on in my world.
3: The governor argues students have already missed a lot of learning and schools should stay open with appropriate precautions. It's very important that the
1: federal government partner not only with getting vaccines to the states, but with helping states administer the vaccine.
2: You can trust KJZZ for the perfect mix of BBC, NPR, and KJZZ News.
0: Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. As we celebrate National Haiku Writing Month, we're looking for you to be part of KJZZ's third annual haiku writing contest. We'll select a random winner who will receive a KJZZ prize pack. As we continue our Season 5 opener, I caught up with Natalie Goldberg recently. She has an upcoming e-talk with Changing Hands Bookstore in Phoenix. Her new book is called Three Simple Lines a writer's pilgrimage into the heart and homeland of haiku. It's about haiku as a practice, as a way in the world, encouraging waking up to the most ordinary moments of human life. And I began a recent discussion by asking her what she means by that sentiment.
4: Back in Japan in the 17th century where it started, serious haiku, uh, there was a path It was called the way of haiku. And people lived it with everything in them, you know, how they saw how they felt. Basho went on these long pilgrimages for six months, wandering in the north of Japan, called the journey to the deep north that many of us have read. And he would write prose, and then haiku, prose and haiku, sort of going out away from distractions, and letting haiku come to you.
0: Your book that just came out is called Three Simple Lines, and you're going to be appearing at what I call an event, meaning an electronic event, at Changing Hands Bookstore. And so I know a lot of folks who listen to this program will be interested to tune in to that one, and we will put a link on our website On the book's jacket is an homage to legendary poet Allen Ginsberg, a favorite of mine personally, and I think for many as well. Ginsberg, of course, wrote many what I might consider American haiku, as well as longer-form poetry, of course. You know, I might say he was obsessed, maybe, by spirituality and the concept of the sort of ordinary being holy. Like, holy this table that's in front of me, holy this chair— that I'm sitting in, holy the window that's next to me, holy this haiku that I'm writing. You write in the opening chapter entitled Nothing Less Than God that haiku is a refuge when the world seems chaotic, when you're lost. And so in conjunction with that title, do you feel haiku possesses an innate holiness?
4: I think everything possesses an innate holiness. And I think haiku demonstrates a mind that is awake, that is noticing and alive. A haiku, yes, demonstrates holiness.
0: What maybe makes that different then about other forms of poetry?
4: Well, what makes it different is that, as Allen Ginsberg said, when I studied with him in 1976 at the Jack Kerouac School of Disembodied Poetics, he said, it's three short lines. But when you hear one, there's a sensation of space. He paused, and then he said, which is nothing less than God.
0: That's beautiful. And is that at the Naropa Institute in Boulder?
4: Yes, okay. in Boulder, Colorado. Okay.
0: Many years, I, I took a road trip with college roommates, and we wound up there. This was in the 1990s. And I actually wrote a haiku based on my experience there. It was pretty chilly in Boulder. And my haiku was, hold up in Boulder, misty mountaintops rocking, cold up in Boulder. <laughs>
4: Nice. It has a a sense of humor, too.
0: And I personally like haiku with a sense of humor. I know some folks say there's no place for that. Other folks say, you know, in terms of format, 575, we need to get that out of our mind. Others say, this is what I learned when I was a kid. What makes a quality haiku, in your estimation? Is it confined to 575, in your view?
4: Oh, it Well, what Allen Ginsberg taught me, and what I realized with this book, Three Simple Lines, is at the end of the book, I realized the whole book, though I only mentioned him at the beginning, uh, he's in the epilogue, it was an homage to Allen Ginsberg. And what he said then that really opened it for me is, in Japan, every syllable has a lot of weight and carries a lot. They don't have of The and things like that, but if we count those syllables in English, it we won't have a lot of space to express much. So he's that's why he said just three short lines that have that experience and sensation of space that the mind leaps,
0: right? And that's one of the reasons that I personally love haiku. All poetry to me, in many ways, is kind of like a puzzle. But I feel like often, again, this is just my personal judgment, the haiku that are the most puzzling are sometimes the most interesting and sometimes my favorite. Of course, I just utilized some humor in the one that I quoted, but uh, how do you feel about that?
4: Definitely. There's whole great books of haiku that are just on baseball and that are funny. You know, there's all kinds of haiku, and people don't limit yourself. There should be all kinds. And then there are some that I wrote about this that I contemplated. Frog jumps in old pond. Plop. I didn't get that for years. That's the most famous <laughs> right. of Basho's haiku. And then, you know, people have made fun of it. Old poet jumps in, frog jumps out. You know, <laughs> I love we, it. People play around. You've got to to sort of grease the mind so it can roll and come at all different directions.
3: Yeah,
0: and that's one thing that I especially love about haiku or formulaic poetry to some extent is that interplay, getting to the, the right word, you know really trying to drill down because you don't have a lot of space to get it done. You mentioned Basho, for instance, and that particular haiku and the English translation with the splash or the plop, that's like onomatopoeia. Do Japanese haiku writers have a sense of that term?
4: Definitely. Of course, I don't speak Japanese, but I know that it's true. I've been to Japan several times. And in the book, I talk about those journeys I go to their graves. I go to Busan's grave. I go to Basho's grave. But yes, onomatopoeia, all of those things, they're interested in language and where it can take you. And then also what I was saying about greasing the mind, listen to this one. I think it's a great example by Issa. Sitting on her eggs, the chicken admires the peony. I mean, first of all, it's funny. It's everything we're talking about. And it's also not human-based. You even have to get out of yourself. Sitting on her eggs, the chicken admires the peony. And it also has an indication of season. Because as a peony, you know, it's summer.
0: Right, and it's such a beautiful image for those of us who have lived in rural areas. Uh, dare I say some neighborhoods in the Phoenix metro region, there are chickens. Well, that's
4: wonderful. People rural.
0: You get that interesting mix of rurality and metro together. One of the other voices of haiku that you talk about in your book pretty early on is, you discovered a well-known woman haiku writer that we don't normally talk about, and I wonder if you could briefly.
4: Yeah, um, when Alan told us in 1976, the four great haiku masters, I sat there thinking, no women? And then I thought, don't worry, you'll find them, because they had to be there. So I found a woman named Chioni. Only one book, which went out of print, translated into English. And uh, she was right along there with the great haiku masters. And actually, one of my friends who's Japanese said, I realize, Natalie, we read her in high school, but no one ever mentioned that she was a woman. And she eventually, at 50, became a nun. So she would have a lot of ability to wander around. She didn't go into a monastery, but as a nun, she could go among men. She could wander, join haiku groups and write with them and do whatever she wanted. But she, like the men, had women haiku disciples where they would get together and write together and comment on haiku. It was a beautiful thing.
0: We sort of have developed disciples Here at KJZZ, because this is the launch of our third annual haiku writing contest. And the idea actually came from another haiku poet, Michael Dylan Welch, who started it in Sammamish, Washington, many years ago. We'll be talking to him a little bit later. But his idea was February is the shortest month of the year, haiku is the shortest form of poetry. And so he put out daily prompts and asked people to. Post their own haiku. You said that you prefer reading haiku almost more than writing it. But do you have a haiku or a couple of your own that you could read?
4: I do, and these were actually as homage in the epilogue to Allen Ginsberg. Allen Ginsberg, far beyond seventeen syllables.
0: <laughs> I love That's you. playful. I- I enjoyed
4: yeah, and and also very large when i just read it i felt him out there in some other dimension and here's another one spring wind blossomed you into another world
0: Oh, that's beautiful and quite apropos with what we've been experiencing here. It's not quite spring, obviously, right? But uh, here, very recently, we've had some heavy rainfall in the Phoenix metro region. Oh, are you lucky? I'm not sure about you, but we needed it desperately.
4: Holy, holy, holy. No, we need desperately some snow or rain, and we don't have very much. And to have rain in the desert, there's nothing like it.
0: That's almost a haiku sentiment, it seems to me.
4: Yeah, I should jot it down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you will have this to go back to, but Natalie Goldberg, I want to thank you so much for coming to word during this National Haiku Writing Month and talking about your book, Three Simple Lines. Again, we will post some information about your Changing Hands event appearance, and that will be published on our own website. Natalie, thank you so much.
4: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
0: You can find out more about Natalie Goldberg. The information is on our website at word.kjzz.org. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region.
1: KJZZ's car donation program accepts all types of vehicles to support the programs you rely on. Whether it's a boat, car, truck, or RV, donating is easy and a great way to support your public radio station. Details at cars.kjzz.org.
2: You have lots of interests, and KJZZ has lots of programs. Hi,
0: you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me.
2: Hi, Peter! Hey, who's
3: this? Hey, I'm Alex, and host of Reveal. This is Ira Glass of This American Life.
2: If you're looking for the perfect mix of news and stories, then stay connected to KJZZ on 91.5 and kjzz.org.
0: Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. We're celebrating Naha Raimo, National Haiku Writing Month. And the man who started it is with us after two years. Longtime listeners will recall Michael Dillon Welch was our very first guest on Word back on February 19th, 2019. I began our discussion by asking what's changed for him during the pandemic.
3: It's a change, of course, but um, I would say the the change manifests itself in two ways. I, I run the Redmond Association of Spoken Word, and a monthly poetry reading series called Soul Food Poetry Night. And the association, also known as RASP, immediately switched to Zoom meetings. But I resisted it for the Soul Food Poetry Night for several months, and then finally bit the bullet, and we started having Zoom meetings. We had some of our regulars, but a lot of people for the Soul Food, we lost a lot of our regulars, and most of the audience, which was smaller for sure, came through friends of the readers and it makes me worry that once we're able to go back to reading in person we have to rebuild the audience um, right? and persuade them that it's okay and safe to come back so that's a transition I do know of one reading series uh, in the town of Everett north of Seattle that decided to have in-person readings in a city park during the summer and they knew where to gather and everybody had to be 10 feet apart and they just spoke really loudly and just took turns of sitting around in a giant sort of random randomized, not circle, but just people sitting on a lawn and that's how they did it. And um, I think they ended up producing an anthology of the work that was shared, which is uh, a nice record of what happened. And I've seen other anthologies of pandemic poems, including pandemic haiku.
0: Well, I think it's on top of people's minds. You know, Michael, the reason we wanted to talk to you is, of course... You are the person who created Nahai Raimo, National Haiku Writing Month. And we first caught up several years back when I was still on the island of Guam. And then uh, after I moved here three years ago, we launched our own haiku writing contest. We are asking people what's new for you during the pandemic and asking them to put that into the form of haiku. Uh, Most people have a concept of what a haiku is. I, I think it's often one of the very first forms that people learn how to write often in elementary school, to introduce children to the art of poetry. What made you develop Naha in the first place, and what is a haiku in your estimation?
3: So two good questions. My own background with haiku is that it was part of short poetry that I've always enjoyed writing for decades, and Nahai Raimo began because I tried NaNo Rimo in 2010, and the idea in November of each year to write a novel of at least 50,000 words in a single month, and I wanted to try this. I I write longer work, uh, including fiction and nonfiction, but I wanted to see if I could sustain myself for that, and it occurred to me just before NaNoWriMo started that there ought to be a month for haiku. And I thought, well, Nahi Raimo, National Haiku Writing Month, would be the obvious name. And I thought, well, which month? And November was obviously a connection to novel or NaNoWriMo. And there wasn't anything equivalent for haiku. But I thought February made sense because it's the shortest month for the shortest genre of poetry. So I decided February. And uh, I uh, managed to get it all started fairly quickly right after that 2010 NaNoWriMo, and got to going in February of 2011. So the second question you asked is, what is a haiku? Well, I was taught syllable counting in a 575 pattern.
0: Right, same here.
3: And that's common. And if somebody wants to do that, that's fine. But it's a starting place, and I hope it's not an ending place for people. If they want to understand haiku more deeply, I think, I hope they'll think about some of the other techniques that matter in literary haiku in Japanese as well as in English. And that includes the use of a season word called a kigo and something called a kineji or cutting word. Uh, it's Japanese, it's sort of like a spoken punctuation, it divides the poem into two parts. And in English, um, you, you wanna try and have two parts like that in most of your haiku to give the poem a space where you wonder, what does this part have to do with that? And it engages you in ways that having just one part wouldn't. Uh, In addition to that, I think it matters to use objective sensory imagery to make each haiku based on experience through your five senses. So avoiding judgment and analysis, which is so common on Instagram haiku, I think, (laughs) uh, or other, other public places where... All that people are doing most of the time is counting syllables. Um, So the syllable count also doesn't have to be followed because what they're counting in Japanese is not strictly like our syllables. And I recently read in a book published by a Japanese resident, she said um, that if you write 17 syllables in English, that's often enough for two haiku in Japanese. The, the weight and the, the length of what you're writing in 17 syllables in English is too long compared to the meaning and the content of the Japanese haiku. It's not easier. It's actually a harder challenge to write a shorter poem in 17 syllables. Some people say they like the challenge of counting the syllables, but it's the most trivial of haiku's challenges, especially when you consider the season word and the two-part structure and trying to be objective rather than subjective. But people can do what they like. Everything is a choice. I encourage people to move beyond 575 to see a deeper understanding of haiku and to recognize all of the haiku that are not 575 in all of the leading journals and anthologies and organizations that support haiku around the world.
0: But we will link to your Nahai Raimo site on Facebook, on our own website. But just as we close out, what are you looking for this year? Are you going to continue with the guest prompts day by day, or are you more focused on sort of a single topic?
3: So I will be providing the prompts again this February, and I have a music theme. I've picked four bands, and I'm going to use titles of their songs as prompts. Oh, Wonderful. Um, Um, And it may not be obvious what the band is um, (laughs) uh, at first, uh, but I think people will figure it out. So there's four different bands, one for each week of the four weeks of February, and I hope it'll uh, inspire people. And I don't want people to use the actual full song title. Some of them are quite long. Like an example is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds from the Beatles. I was about Um, to
0: ask if the Beatles were going to be included
3: you are going to be one of them. Yes, I couldn't resist. <laughs> uh, so with that prompt, Lucy, maybe you'd think of, I'm not sure how to describe it, the historical, is it Neanderthal creature? Um, maybe that's what you think of. Or Sky, you could write about Sky or Diamonds, or maybe you go in some other direction. And that's completely open to you, whatever you want to do, wherever that prompt takes you. So that's our focus this year. And something new that I'm looking forward to doing is having a Zoom reading. So at the end of the month, I'm going to orchestrate two Zoom readings because of trying to accommodate different time zones around the world Sure. Um, so that at least one or the other will be available to everyone in the entire world. And that's one of the wonderful things about Nahai Rimo is that uh, we have participants all over the world. And so I'm looking forward to that as something new. And I think it'll be a fun way to share some of the poems we write during the month.
0: Author and, dare I say, haiku sensei, Michael Dillon Welch, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word once again and talking to us about National Haiku Writing Month, which, of course, you originated. KJZZ is asking folks to participate in our own contest this year. Again, it's our third annual contest. But, Michael, I want to thank you so much for spending some time and talking to us.
3: Thank you. And thank you for your support of haiku and National Haiku Writing Month.
0: You can find out more about Michael Dillon Welch on our website at word.kjzz.org. And don't forget to enter KJZZ's third annual haiku writing contest. Submit up to one original haiku per week and focus on the theme this year, what's new for you during the pandemic. The link to submit your entry is on our website. Portions of this program have been nominated for an Edward R. Murrow Award. I'm Tom Maxidon, and thanks for supporting the literary arts in Arizona and the region.
4: Word. Word? Word!
0: Was the word?
2: Thanks for listening to Word, a podcast about the literary arts in Arizona and the region. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts.